Hey folks, Damian Mason here. Thank you for joining me on the Business of Agriculture, where we talk about issues impacting food, fuel, and fiber. Every time you join me, I try to give you something of value that you can take home, something that can make your business better, something that makes you go, hmm... We're talking about the business of agriculture. Again, I'm your host, Damian Mason. You can find me on all social formats. That's at Damian P. Mason on Twitter, Damian Mason, Facebook, professional speaker on LinkedIn. Today, I've got a topic that I think is going to be really interesting to you because we all know business is about making money. You want to enjoy yourself also, and you want to always year, every year see a little bit of forward progress. We're in year four of the ag economic downturn. We we know this. 2013 was the high water mark. Uh, things were very good from about 05 till 013. Now, my opinion is that the business of agriculture runs for the exits yelling fire way too quickly. That we think, oh my goodness, the sky is falling. Oh man, oh! And it's the old joke about, um, you know, the farmer that is too wet, is too dry, is too this, is too that. Let's face it, we probably do complain just a little bit too much, but everybody does. And we run for the exits yelling fire a little too quickly. I say that this is normal. Right now we're in normal economic terms of uh, what's going to happen here. It's not the bad old depression days, it's not the bad old 1980s. I'd say this is normal. I just read an article yesterday, uh, 2017 projected farm income is going to be up for this year. I think they were projecting about a $4 billion to $6 billion up from last year. That's pretty good. 2016 was a little bit down. We know that 14 and 15 were down. 17 is going to be up from last year. So I think we're not doing all that poorly. We all know that farm income drives the rest of the ag sector. Everything from seed, chemical, fertilizer, uh, insurances, equipment is driven by farm income. We're all in the business of food production, after all, one way or another. So here with me today is my friend Dave Peffley. Dave Peffley runs farm uh, equipment, I'm sorry, Peffley Farm Equipment in LeGros, Indiana. He uh, does consignment auctions. He also has tons and tons of used machinery sitting on this lot. Been coming here since I was a kid. My father, I think, bought a new idea, two-row corn picker here in the early 1970s, uh, back when it was only 10 years out of date. Now, uh, <laughs> that's a story for another day. Sitting here with my friend Dave Peffley. Say hello to the listeners of the Business of Ag, Mr. Dave Peffley. Hello, everyone. How are you today? That's great. See, look at that. You don't have a personality like that from anybody that's just your average combine salesman, do you? Dave, thanks for having me here. We got all kinds of stuff to cover. Are you ready to join me? Yep. Go, go ahead. Shoot. And we'll give you a little background on this, listeners. Dave Peffley and I met one year ago. My brother has some health issues and needed to liquidate his farm equipment. Uh, brought in Mr. Peffley. Mr. Peffley gave him extremely good advice, uh, straight information, and then we and put all of his machinery into uh, into his big auction that he has in December. In fact, this year, December 18th, I'm going to be delivering a presentation for his VIPs at his dinner the night before the auction. So, if you happen to be near LeGros, Indiana, and you're a listener to my podcast, you love comedic commentary on the business of food, fuel, and fiber, you might be able to try and score an invitation from Mr. Peffley from Peffley Farm Equipment. All right, I've talked a lot. I want to make sure we get to the expert here because we're talking about the farm economy. Again, you're joining us because we're talking about the business of ag, specifically today about money and ag as it relates to farm machinery. We know the ag economy is not flying as high as it was a few years back. Mr. Peffley, what equipment is that having on your business? Today, right now, the ag economy. Give me your synopsis. I actually think that as of today, we are beginning to see an upswing slightly 
in the ag equipment economy. Um, new sales have been off for several years now, um, which is which is taking care of the overabundance of late model, nearly new, low-houred, uh, used equipment that was out here. Um, dealers aren't selling near as much of that, uh, which is which which is actually um, which is actually causing probably even a little bit of a shortage in the nearly new equipment. Okay, so uh, we know what's going on. I'll give you an example. Two years ago, granted, things were a little tougher, I think, in 2015. There was, there was a lot of crunching going on. I think 2015, to me, was the was the bottom of the ag equipment side. Okay. I did a thing for the equipment dealers in Montana, the Association of Farm Equipment Dealers in Montana. And I can't give you the exact numbers, but I can give a real close uh, relation. A guy there is a big Case New Holland dealer in Montana. And he told me that what he heard from Case was that uh, during the heyday, they made four or 5,000 combines and they were set to make like say 1,500 the following year. Does that sound right to you? I would, if I had to put it in quantitative numbers, I would say that we dropped 40% in sales of new equipment uh, between end of 14 and beginning of 16. So in that, in that range. Got it. All right. You grew up in this business. By the way, we, we know that equipment sales, obviously, you can't go without seed. You can't go without chemical. Can't go without fertilizer. Generally, can't go without your insurances, although some people get rid of crop insurance when things are a little tighter. Uh, generally, got to go to the ag lender. One thing you can go without, you can go without farm machinery because people say, hey, man, I'm things things are down right now. I'm going to make this machine go another two years. So we know that that happens. What do you see happening then in 2017 moving into 2018? As we move 27 to 28 to, to 2018, um, I would I would agree with you that that you're going to spend money when you farm. You're going to spend money one way or another. You're either going to spend money to upgrade equipment, or you're going to spend money to maintain equipment and on and on parts and service. So the the idea that you're not going to spend any money is not there. It it has to be budgeted somewhere. Um, what what happens is that you have to make that decision as to what it's worth to you to move up to newer equipment or if the, the, the piece that you're using is beyond repair. Now, I, I agree with that. At one day, you're going to spend money. It's kind of like I told people uh, about the home farm, and there was this thing about, well, why are we going to bother fixing all those tile repairs? We're going to sell a place. I said, you either pay for it or you pay for it. You pay for it by you fixing it or you pay for it by the deduction on the buyer that comes there. You're saying you're either going to pay for the new machinery or you're going to pay for fixes on the old machinery. One way or the other, you pay the piper. Correct. Now, that said, as an observer for 48 years of my life in the business of agriculture, I can tell you that during the run, when things were, when the gravy days were on, I saw more farm machinery going out the door, and I thought, my heavens, if the ag economy takes a little tilt, <laughs> these people could exist with what they have for the next decade, because there's more horsepower out in these fields today than there's ever been. You can run through the stuff. I would agree with you completely, and a lot of your farmers that are bigger, larger scale farmers did that. The one thing that we're finding now is that a lot of the guys that kind of maintain through that, um, and I would say that 
your average farm size of 600 to 1500 acres possibly um, they couldn't get into the race at that point in time because the bigger farmers were making so much money spending so much money buying classes of machinery above them that these guys kind of stayed at the status quo at that time so now that farmer is the one that we're seeing coming in with cash mm -hmm. and being able to buy excellent used equipment at a discounted rate and those are the guys that are now catching up with the guys that were ahead of them so the so the guys running the new equipment or nearly new equipment you're right they they can farm and sustain although again they're either they're either making payments or they're making or they're paying trade difference whereas these guys that are coming in now that are dealing with us and in in our sweet spot on our on our customer is that customer up to about 1500 maybe 2000 acres is 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 the guy that's that's dealing with us primarily which catches a lot of the marketplace here in northern indiana and frankly in the whole midwest talking to dave peffley with peffley farm equipment here in lagro indiana just down the road from the ceiling tile factory i worked at when i was in college for three summers mr peffley also is a a, a client he's going to have me at his big event in december uh, night before his auction i'm going to be the entertainment and also I've been a client of his. I bought a used Kubota tractor off of him last year. So, talking to Dave Peffley, Peffley Farm Equipment. We're going to go through some rapid-fire questions right now just to make sure we get some good information out for our listeners here on the business of ag. Mr. Peffley, question for you. You grew up in this business. You're 46 years old. You've been doing this since you were a child. What's changed? Uh, the Internet, primarily. Okay. Made it better or worse? I would say better for most and the people that have embraced it and made it part of their business. Um, I have also seen it take a lot of people that were big, huge giants in this business that thought they were beyond needing the internet, and it has affected them negatively tremendously. I think it's leveled the playing field a lot for everybody, you know, and I'm not talking about Amazon. Amazon's not going to take over farm equipment sales, and Amazon's not going to take over the world. I really don't believe that, but I would say the internet's leveled the playing field. For instance, we used to have to use a lot of agents in my business. You and I have talked about that. Very uh, much less needed today. People can find me, clients that want to book somebody to put uh, on a stage at a big uh, convention, don't need to go through some agents and pay them a commission. Internet has helped. Internet has helped me reach my followers. Internet has helped me get good information as a customer. Just like your customers right now can use the internet to find out what that uh, two-year-old uh, John Deere combine is worth out there. So, the internet, good or bad, thoughts? For us, it has been good. Um, it has brought us a new customer base, whether that be... Uh, we, we do quite a bit of business in the upper Midwest, you know, in the Dakotas and, and Minnesota and that area because of the style and size of machinery we do. And also internationally. I mean, it has brought, it has brought that to the forefront for us. Fantastic. What's better today about the used machinery business than it was 20 to 30 years ago when you started out? Uh, the availability of sharing information, um, being able to text or email pictures. Uh, being able to receive text or email pictures from people that want to trade equipment. You bought my used tractor. Granted, it wasn't worth much compared to what you have out here in your lot. It was just a small utility tractor. And you said, hey, when you get home, take a few pictures of that so I can at least look at it. Something you couldn't have done <laughs> just 
15 years ago. You couldn't just grab pictures, send them on a text message, and then the guy says, okay, I looked at it, blah, 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 blah. Yes, that's made things like technology has made it so you can be still selling machinery, even if you're on a, uh, in your car in North Carolina uh, doing something there. So that's good. What's worse today about the machinery business than it was in the old days? I would also say possibly the the, the sharing of information. Um, you know, there's several agricultural talk shows and, and chat boards and different things. And, and um, it seems like we have a very, very good following. And I think we have a very good reputation across the United States. But uh, if someone talks about you negatively on there, it travels farther and faster than the positive ever does. Well, and the sad part about that is uh, I, a friend of mine and I, uh, he's also in the business of, that I do. He's a professional talker, and his name's Larry Wingett, and he and I get together and smoke cigars, and we talk about such things. And one thing that he and I always say is, uh, if you got some kid that's really, really spineless, that just doesn't have a, a ballless, spineless person, you give them an internet connection and a social media uh connection and by golly they're the toughest person on two feet they they are really it's called internet balls they can say all kinds of bad they wouldn't sit here in your office and cuss you out and tell you that what you've done wrong and you may have done nothing wrong but by golly they get 500 miles away and they can get on the internet and they can say whatever they want about dave peffley or damian mason that's the tough part by the way you are listening to damian mason your host here on the business of ag with my guest dave peffley of peffley farm equipment mr peffley we're talking about agriculture. We're talking about money. We're talking about business. We're talking about what you do. Describe the Pefley value proposition. Why is it your customers do business with you? I talk about this with all sorts of business owners because a lot of people, it seems like it's still lost on them. I don't need your mission statement. I don't need some lofty corporate HR stuff. Why do your people do business with you? That's your value proposition. I think, first of all, um, people do business with us because of our our pricing structure and our and our, our idea is we want to bring the highest valued piece at the lowest amount of money. Now that doesn't mean that we're the cheapest thing out there. That means we bring the highest valued piece at at whatever that is at the most reasonable price. And by doing that, we we reach a lot of people across the country. Second of all, we try to be as honest as we can be when we're selling a piece. If it's a piece of junk, we're going to tell you it's a piece of junk. And if it's an excellent piece, we're going to tell you it's an excellent piece. And we try to, to convey all the knowledge that we have of every piece. And that has cost us some sales, um, but it has also brought back many, many repeat customers from all over the United States. Sure, people like the honesty, and obviously they know you don't have allegiance to any color. It's not yellow, blue, red, green. It's just, uh, here we are. We've got great equipment. We've got uh, something that's going to fit your need, and here's the honest here's the honest information about this piece of machinery. How do you reinvent your business, stay relevant? Is it going to get to where the Internet is just not even, maybe eventually there's not even a need for all this stuff to be sitting out here, these millions of dollars worth of equipment. Is it going to get to where you work leaner? Is it going to get to where the the world uh, doesn't need you? What happens in the future? You know, I always worry about what's our vulnerability? I worry about that too. And one thing, one thing we try to do is we try to keep surrounding ourselves with with younger people all the time to see where the next trend is coming. Um, 
uh, I am uh, I am personally not a big social media person, um, but we have hired some people that do that to keep us in touch with what people are wanting to hear and say and do. And speaking with people like yourself that travel across across the United States that that want to know what people are saying and doing all the time. One of the things that I feel like is my value proposition to my clients to hire me to get on stage and talk is I say, here's what I'm seeing. Here's what I read here. And the big thing sometimes is saying, here's this trend that I see. And here's this headline that I believe impacts and demonstrates that. And here's why it matters to you as it can affect your business. I mean, in other words, bring in sort of the connecting the dots. Okay. I make jokes about farmer money. If any of you have been in my audience, you know I make jokes about farmers and their money and their habits. One of my punchlines is about their reluctance to pay income taxes and how they buy machinery to avoid doing so. We know that about agricultural people. Is this still happening, Dave Peffley? It is happening to the people that can still afford to do it. Um, we are seeing a, a time right now that really concerns me where people have put off selling their crop. They have spent money to use their their um, their depreciation schedules to keep from paying taxes, and now they have multiple years of crops to sell that are going to take most of their money to to pay their operating lines, and they've got equipment payments or something else, and and there's not going to be enough money to pay the tax, pay the equipment payments. And I, I, I am truly concerned for some people in that fashion right now. Yeah. Now I can, I talk to farm lenders, ag lenders, and they tell me about 10% of their book looks a little shaky right now. Not 50%. We don't have an equity problem in general out here. You know, whether I, I serve agriculture, I own ag land, you're an ag person, you obviously deal in agriculture. So we know there's always going to be a little bit of a soft spot. And they tell me there's about 10% that have a problem right now. I think the uh, thing that I noticed was in the gravy days, man, these, these guys were running in there with uh, a whole bunch of money that they had to spend as, as much as they could because they just couldn't stand the idea of paying some taxes. And I think a few of them might have been better off paying a little bit of taxes. I would probably agree, even though I'm in the machinery business and we want them to come spend their money here. But hey, you know what? If you're listening to this and you're in a dry weather climate, we're in northern Indiana, me and Mr. Dave Peffley of Peffley Farm Equipment. And you know what we saw? These guys were burying their money. What? Burying their money? Yeah, they were putting in drainage tile because that's what we do here because we're in a wet climate. Saw a lot of money get buried during the heyday. Uh, did the tax laws hurt the industry regarding depreciation schedules? I don't think it hurt the industry. I think that it made it possible for people to tax plan farther out, um, which actually helped those that do a good job of structuring their business and looking into the future rather than going year to year. You're listening to the Business of Agriculture with me, your host, Damian Mason. If you like what you hear, you can find all my stuff at DamianMason.com. That's D-A-M-I-A-N, Mason, like a bricklayer, DamianMason.com. You are listening to me talk to 
Dave Peffley of Peffley Farm Equipment, guy down the road who I've also bought stuff off of, and he is hiring me to do a presentation for him December 18th, the VIP dinner, the night before his big auction that he has here every year where he sells, you won't believe it, folks, almost a 1,000 pieces of equipment, millions and millions of dollars worth of farm machinery goes across the auction block. Lots of people get really good deals. You should consider it if you're in the business. Let's talk some numbers, speaking of farm machinery. I pulled this off of the farm equipment um, uh, sales data, if you will. Tractors from 40 horsepower to 100 horsepower were down. Uh, this was as of the end of 2016. There's still a sweet spot up under 40 horsepower. I guess that's the hobbyists. Yeah, the the hobbyists, the part-time farmers, that, that construction, a, a little bit construction. We're seeing a bump in the general economy a little bit, and those are typically the guys that are buying this type of machine. Okay, so the under 40 horsepower was a big positive space. Uh, do you play much there? Uh, not a lot. It's not our sweet spot. Um, mm -hmm. But we have gotten to do more because there has been such a demand for it. Four-wheel drive tractors. This is the end of 2016 numbers, the most recent I could find that were actually confirmed. Uh, Four-wheel drive tractors, which is almost everything out here in your lot because obviously we're talking about 100 horsepower and up. Uh, down 4.2%, but combine sales were the big loser in 2016. Down 30% according to this article that I read. Does that sound uh, basically what you're saying? I would say if you're talking new or nearly new combine sales, yes. We actually had a record year in selling combines a year ago, but we were selling combines in the space of 8 to 10 years old. Mm -hmm. So it was it, it was the people jumping up from the... 15, 20 year old combine um, that couldn't afford to make that jump. And they were buying five year olds. Yeah. Okay. All right. We're talking about farm equipment. We're talking about the farm economy. I tell my listeners every time you tune in here, we're going to make you smarter. We're going to have a good discussion. We're going to talk about the business of ag that affects all of us, but I also don't waste your time. So we're going to then move on now to something I think is a little bit more self betterment, if you will. Small biz success. Mr. Peffley here is a small business person. I'm a small business person. If you're listening to this, you consider yourself to be an agribusiness person. You seem to enjoy what you do, Dave Peffley. I do too. It's my observation that more people in the business of agriculture genuinely enjoy their work than the rest of humanity. Do you agree? And what are your thoughts? I would completely agree because if you didn't enjoy it, you wouldn't want to work at it as hard as you do. Okay. I say there are five critical traits to success as a business owner. I do this with all my business owning people that I have on here. Five critical traits to success as a business owner or entrepreneur. They are, in my opinion, drive. You got to have ambition. Risk tolerance. If you can't sleep at night over a dollar, you probably shouldn't own your own business. Salesmanship. Because if you don't sell your great idea, nobody's going to do it for you. Financial savvy. You know, there's lots of people that, that are hard workers, but they can't seem to ever be disciplined about money. And when you're a small business owner, you got to keep your handle on the money. And then constant creativity. You just talked about bringing in young people, making sure you have a social media presence, capitalizing on the internet, doing what you can because the farm economy changes. That's, a, to me, constant creativity. Would you add anything to that list? The only thing that I would add to that list would be probably staying power because it's not going to always be easy at the beginning and it's probably not going to always be easy in the middle there's at some point in time there's going to be some rough patches where you could cut duck and run 
My, I just, I wrote down the word fortitude. My wife and I, uh, I, I tell this story that uh, I went through a real rough patch when I was transitioning from being a political comedian to what I do currently as an ag commentator guy. And I tried to buy car washes, was almost in the golf course business, self-storage units, uh, and then I almost got a job selling medical devices because after four years of twisting in the wind and things not going where you think they're going to go, you need that staying power, as you said. Uh... Do you know, do you now, right now, or have you ever had a formal business plan? I personally have never written down a formal business plan. Um, my business plan when I started out was to work as hard as I could because I didn't have any money. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was kind of my business plan also. We just talked about the ceiling tile factory down the street here from your equipment dealership. And I, I've worked my whole life. I went to an entrepreneur class, was guest, a guest there a few years back, and all the students then turned to me and said, we've been told the most important thing to have to be successful is to have a really good business plan. What do you think, Mr. Mason? And I said, I've never had one. Here's my, this is, this is my personal feeling, is that if you have a formal business plan, you are destined to fail. <laughs> I actually make another point, a point about that, Mr. Peffley, that banks love business plans, so you need a business plan to borrow money, but you don't need one to actually make money, because banks want you to have one, but I don't think it's necessary at all. Okay, I set goals for my business, and myself personally. Are you a goal setter? I am a goal setter in, we, we do not set goals as far as the amount of pieces we want to sell or the amount of money we want to, the, 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 the amount of dollars that we want to sell. Our personal goals are more as though we want to be at the forefront of the presence of the industry that we're in. And if we do that, it, everything else kind of takes care of itself. So we, we, every day we're in the market one way or another. Um, and so I guess my answer to that would be no. Um, but my daily goals s help me acquire much more, uh, equity, much more money, much more, uh, passion. Um, I think it's important to have goals. And I think there's really three kinds of goals and, and I do them in three categories, but I'm saying three kinds, really there's, there's short term and, and there's the midterm is a long term, you know, long term for me is wealth, fulfillment, and location. I want to be well off, not so I can brag about it, but so that I can afford the lifestyle of my choosing fulfillment. Meaning I don't ever want to just sit around and watch prices, right? I want to have actual meaningful work. And of course, location, I do not like cold, gray, wet weather, so I've got to make sure that I'm in Indiana at my farm when the getting's good, but I've got to be away where it's warm and sunny the rest of the time. Well-fulfilled locations long-term, but then there's short-term. How much I want to gross in uh, Q4. Uh, that's, that's important because that drives the business. New creativity. Those are short-term goals. Book I want to get completed, etc. Okay, you're listening to The Business of Ag with me, your host, Damian Mason. My guest has been Dave Peffley of Peffley Farm Equipment in Legro, Indiana. He has a huge auction coming up in December. He does it every year, does several auctions. He's a consignment guy, he's a used equipment dealer. He's also a sharp dude, and he's my friend because he actually sold me a piece of machinery last year. Last thought, can you share one lesson or tidbit of helpful information about running your own business with our listeners? What could you say, Dave Peffley, that our listeners can take home. Something of value about running your own small business. It does not matter how big your business is or how small your business is. 
Surround yourself with good people that do a good job and let them do their job. One person can only do so much, but if that's the size you choose to be, then be then be really good at it and get that done and do it yourself. But if you choose to get bigger and you choose that you want to to take your business to another level, then you have to trust people, hire good people, and then let them do their job. Your lesson for the day. You've been listening to The Business of Ag with me, your host, Damian Mason. I am so glad you joined us. Dave Peffley was my guest. Thank you, Dave Peffley. You're welcome. There you go. And join me again. I'll keep talking about issues that impact the business of food, fuel, and fiber. Try to put finances and the business all in perspective for you about trends, topics, issues that impact us out here doing what we do in the business of ag. Thanks for joining me. Catch you next time.